Happy Sunday. Welcome back to Renew Your Soul. I am Isla, your host, and I'm so excited to have you here today for my first official interview on Renew Your Soul in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month. I'm going to have a friend of mine, Leslie, on the podcast today. She is a writer, the author of Living in Phases, a really beautiful poetry collection that you can purchase on her page. And you will find out all of that information in just a bit. And she is someone who experiences and has been diagnosed with OCD for a few years now. And she talks all about that journey today. Here is my conversation with Leslie. Thank you, Leslie, for being here. Leslie is a very dear friend to me. I met her last year in 2022 as I was starting my Alegria publishing journey. I've shared on my podcast before, I am in the process of finishing a book and it's being published through a local Latina publisher here in the Los Angeles area. And this is where I met my dear friend, Leslie, I'm so happy to have you here today. And, you know, the theme of this month was Mental Health Awareness Month. And we have heard from so many people around the world be open about their own journeys and talking about the ways how they take care of their mind, how they are open about what is going on with their minds. And so I'm so happy to have Leslie here today. I'm going to ask you, Leslie, just share us a little more about your background. If you don't mind sharing your age, where you're from. First of all, hello, my girl. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so flattered you asked me to do this. So this is exciting. Yeah, so my name is Leslie, or Leslie Ann, that's kind of my pen name. Um, I'm 27. A, I live, I was born and raised in New York City, where I still am now. And yeah, I am, I, I did meet Isla, the lovely host of this podcast, through Alegria. We were both working on our books together. I actually just finished mine, and I published it in March, called Living in Phases. It's bilingual. My parents and I are Dominican-American. So there's a little bit of Spanish in there for you all. And and yeah, I'm really excited to be here and talk to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. So yeah, she's joining us from the beautiful state on the East Coast of New York. <laughs> and I have to go visit her very, very, very soon. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how old were you and where were you when you first were diagnosed with OCD. Yeah. So, so OCD for anyone, I mean, I'm sure most people have heard of it or know of it. That's obsessive compulsive disorder. It's an anxiety related disorder. So for most, well, I would say for almost everyone, um, although it presents differently, it comes with, it's comorbid, which means like more than one diagnosis with another anxiety dis- disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, phobias, social anxiety uh, which is what I was also diagnosed with, social anxiety and OCD. It was, I mean, I want to say I had seen signs in me for a, like a long time, really before I knew what OCD was. So I, you know, like thinking back, I could be like, I would think, wow, oh, so that's why I did that or that's why I felt that. But I didn't actually get a diagnosis until 2017, which is also when I first started therapy. I was doing psychotherapy at the time. And it was good. I had a really great therapist who I actually talked about in my book. I dedicated part of like my acknowledgments or like gratitude page to her. She did so much for me. That's beautiful. Um, 
Yeah, she she's great. Um, while we work together, so, but it was hard. I will say that it was not. I mean, I'm 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 open about it now. I'm accepting of it now. But I will say, and you'll see, like you know, if if you do read the the beginning portions of my book, I did not agree with that diagnosis at all. It was 2017, and I was going through a lot, you know, professionally within my family as well. So it was my first time seeing a psychiatrist, my first time in a psychiatrist's office, my first time asking to get any kind of diagnosis. Wow. Uh, And he came with OCD. And like immediately I was like, "Mm, that's wrong. I I see it. I see what you're saying. But like it's uh, I personally thought it was more anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. I was like, but like, you know, I, I didn't fight him. But I, I went into that office expecting something totally different. And when I, I got that, I was almost like, well, this doesn't like, this is not, this doesn't satisfy me. Like this isn't, this can't be it, you know? Totally. Um, so it was a very like frustrating time. And he was also like, not the, not the greatest psychiatrist either. He said some like inappropriate things that made me think even more like, no, this is not what it is. I remember I was in the middle of my undergrad you know, career in school. Mm-hmm. I went to Hunter for psychology. So I, you know, it wasn't my first time or experience learning about these things or talking about these things, but it was definitely my first time being diagnosed with anything. So it was, it was like a pretty eye-opening time, even though that's what I wanted, you know, like I wanted to see someone and, and get some answers, you know, when I got them. It, it didn't feel like I, I had hoped it would. Got it. So this was in 2017. Remind me of your age in that year. Oh, Jesus. Um, That was six years ago. So I was 21. 21. <laughs> wow. Leslie. Yeah, because yeah, that was like towards like the holiday season and my birthday's in March. So yeah. This is a similar story to a lot of other people who do also who you hear and who I have heard of, they get a diagnosis and that is a diagnosis that they either don't agree with, they don't know too much about, or they thought that it would be something different, right? It's like, there's so many different ways that can go about when you're in that office and you leave and now you're entering this world with this new sort of identity, this new part of you. They're telling you that this is your diagnosis. When you left, so I'm assuming this was happening in a meeting. Okay. When you left, how did you feel walking out? And in those next couple of weeks, did you feel like they gave you sort of a way to go about dealing with this? Or did you feel more alone than you did before? Honestly, I mean, I I honestly left that office kind of in tears. Like, I, I just felt very, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, a, like, I didn't mean for it to be, like, for someone looking, you know, on the outside. I didn't mean for it to be like, oh, you know, like, what an embarrassing diagnosis or like, oh, what, like, a shameful thing. It just, it, it felt, I personally at least felt like there were, issues that I was going through that that were being overlooked right which is why I didn't like I I told you know I I totally understood why you know they 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 saw those tendencies in me because I saw them as well got it I just didn't think it was what needed to be focused on like I said I was in I was in such like a very I was in a very low state of mind in 2017 I had a lot of 
I was, I was in a really like toxic work environment. I was doing, I was doing great in school. I was doing my undergrad, right? It was the first time that I was working full time and going to school full time. So I just had a lot of like, a lot of like new things happening for me. Yeah. Yeah. That mm-hmm. were coming my way that I, I really didn't know how to cope with. Right. And aside from it being my first time being in therapy, I was also the first person in my family to go to therapy. Right. So I, I had, I was really just like, really kind of like going out on the limb here and I already kind of felt kind of like outcasted right like a little bit like you know like a little bit like oh you know my, my family you know had their own issues and they handled it their own ways and like I still had that mindset I'm I'm grateful that I moved way past that obviously totally but at the time it was like all right well I'm already doing something you know tough but now now I feel like I'm seeing these professionals and they don't really even get me right like they're, they're just throwing this diagnosis at me and it's like not what I want to focus on. So, you know, when I left, I, I was grateful that I like spoke with someone and I, you know, I, I heard them out. I heard their reasoning. I, I heard their explanations. I did get, I did, you know, get, it kind of motivated me to get more information, you know? Absolutely. Um, but I did leave feeling disheartened. I did leave feeling like, okay, I don't really think that like, not that it it went the way that I, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. You know, like I want it, like it has to go my way. It just, it didn't, I'll be honest, like it just didn't go the way that I expected hard because I was really looking for some, some answers for and sure. something that would help. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that just gave me like something else to, to worry, something else to worry about, something like, else to be yeah. a part of your life, something else to navigate through the first time. And I, Really, I really felt like I, I, I was going through what I was going through and I wasn't going to stop trying to work with work on that. But now I had to work on this too, which is just not what I mentioned. It wasn't what I went to the psychiatrist for in plain terms. So now that, so now at that time you are diagnosed with OCD, you are in your undergraduate journey you are also working, mm-hmm. you're going through so much, you're, you're, you know, trying to live as a young adult. How long after your initial diagnosis, when did you start feeling, was it months after, weeks after, years after, where you felt like you could just move through life just a little bit easier knowing what OCD is and why you had it? what it was in you that caused this to kind of happen in your life. Did you feel like it took a long time for you to get kind of a hold on things with this new diagnosis? Or did it take some time for it to settle in in terms of tools and practices and maybe you continue to see your therapist or someone in your life where you could talk openly about these things? Tell me a little bit about how soon after that initial diagnosis did things start actually settling in a little bit more where you started feeling more hopeful with more answers? I mean, it's funny because as I heard you like explaining the question, I was planning my answer as, as one does, as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the first thing that came to mind is I, I don't feel like that now. Like, I don't feel like I have a grip now. I don't know that I have answers now. I don't feel like I've settled in. I can say that I feel more, I'm more educated, totally. I'm more accepting. I will not argue. I'll actually like correct people, you know, if they say I don't have it. No, I, I, this is how I, how I, how I've learned kind of to like navigate the world. I will say that things got easier 
unfortunately and fortunately when I switched therapists. So my very first therapist who I love, who again, I, I did, I dedicated part of my book to, she actually discontinued with me after we worked together for, I want to say like two years and change a very long time. And I like, I wish I was still working with her, but she was a, she's a psychotherapist. She had very many specialties. Got it. Yeah. She's a psychotherapist. She had very many specialties. I picked her specifically, or I, I requested her when I like did intake and, you know, tried to work with that company for therapy because of her specialties and her background and things like that. You know, like I thought we would make a good fit and I got lucky, you know, because we, we did build a connection really quickly, but she, after some time, obviously, actually discontinued with me because she she noticed you know what I was going through what I would disclose with her uh to her you know my you know my symptoms just like my my thinking patterns just she noticed that she did not specialize in what I needed and she said she's like you know ethically like I can't continue to work with you because you need a special, like a, you need an OCD specialist. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I have, you know, you have specialties and I picked you for those specialties and I'm still going through this and I'm still going through that. And like, I can work on that on my own. Like, it's not like we're here wasting time talking about flowers, you know? Like I was like, no. And she was like, no, you know, and, and thinking like now, especially now working where I work and we do a lot of like, we work with a lot of clinicians and I'm, you know, my background is in forensic psychology and psychology. Like, I know what she was doing was right. It's just so different when it's you. you. Like, when you're the, the, the person that it's happening to, where you're just like, you, we, can, we can put that aside. You know, like, I won't tell, you won't tell. But, wow. yeah, after she just con- she discontinued treatment with me, I had to go and find someone else, which I didn't for a while because I was very stubborn and, you know, sad and, and harp- just didn't yeah. want to start over. Heartbroken to an extent, too, I, yeah. because it's a relationship. Yeah, in a way, because, you know, it was yeah. a great, it was a really great, you know, very, it was just a very, like, comfortable relationship and for me, particularly, like, you know, not speaking for everyone, for me, it's very difficult to be comfortable enough to talk about certain things with people. Totally. You know, I'm very open about, open, you know, if you ask me, you know, and I'm comfortable, I'll tell you, but, like, to talk about OCD especially, which is a very like that this is a disorder that's kind of like embedded with shame and and guilt and embarrassment for various reasons. Anybody that has it will tell you that. And you know, throughout through treatment, you've got to get better at it, more accepting, find ways to cope and stuff. But this was the beginning of my my journey with it. So I was not really looking to talk to anybody else about stuff I already talked about. But when I met my my next therapist like a year or so later, she was an, an she was an OCD specialist. She practiced ERP, which is exposure response therapy, yes, or exposure res- response prevention therapy. So, which is like the the gold standard for OCD. So that's it's why I started working with her, and she really kind of helped me get a better handle on a lot of a lot of things. Wow. Um, that I I really needed help with. She we weren't able to work together for too long but she did do a lot for me as well um and I'm grateful because I myself was not the best patient I was very stubborn I hate ERP because naturally it makes you anxious I'm trying to avoid (laughs) and I absolutely hated it Mm -hmm. in the beginning but I I I wouldn't lie and it was actually very helpful so I think you know I was diagnosed in 2017 I didn't start therapy with her until last year 
or no, the year, the year before that. So 2021. Mm -hmm. So it, it took a good five or so years for me to like find kind of therapy that you needed that I really needed absolutely Um, thank you for just being so open and honest about your journey I feel conversations like these are so needed for someone like myself who doesn't have this right and people out there who don't have it but also OCD we both know it it's it's a you know it's, it's so easily thrown out people are like oh I have OCD, you know, I like my cups, you know, like all whatever, right? Yes. It's just thrown out so like it's like It's you... very easy. It's very easy to turn it into an adjective, which is such a disheartening uh, and like discrediting thing. Absolutely. When there are people like yourself who have it. When you mentioned that you really had a great connection with your first psychotherapist, I believe is what you said. Mm-hmm. Have you spoken to her? Because now, you know, you're a published author and you, <laughs> which we'll get into right now, Leslie has a beautiful book. If you are interested in reading about poetry on mental health and just her beautiful journey, her book is called Living in Phases. And she published it earlier this year, again, through Alegria Publishing. And she mentioned just now that she you know, dedicated a portion of it to that first psychotherapist that really helped her. Have you given her this book, Leslie? I'm interested. (laughs) I actually haven't. I have not. I did speak with her a little bit after, like, after we discontinued services together, but I haven't. You know, I have been, it's funny you asked that. I have been meaning to, like, reach out to her. Hopefully her email is still the same. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It would be nice to hear from her. Totally. Yeah, she was really great. So, Leslie. Talk to us a little bit about the book. Again, her book is called Living in Phases. It is a poetry book. It is beautiful. I'm like halfway through. I haven't finished because I like to pick pick things up right when I'm in the mood. Sometimes I don't really finish a book in like a week or a couple days. Like I like to have it with me, you know, and open (laughs) it when I feel like my soul needs it in my morning routine or right before I go to bed. So... Tell me a little bit about your book. How has writing this helped heal you? Helped heal you in any way? Your mind, your heart, your soul, and also in regards to your OCD. I know because she talks about this again in her book. It's been wonderful. You know, I had worked on that book since 2020 and it started as something totally different. You know, it, it actually it actually started where I told myself I, I I used to write poetry a lot, you know, when I was in high school, when I was in middle school. When I got to college, what what happens with a lot of people is I just really, I got very into my studies. I was always a very, like, academically focused person, right? So, you know, now I'm in college and I'm really trying to, like, do big things, you know, and I mainly focused on school, right? So I, you know, reading for pleasure, writing for pleasure, I, that kind of, like, took a back seat like I I wouldn't even say like I always wrote poetry like no I didn't I, mm-hmm. I didn't for years it was not something that I went to or or leaned on which I think now is totally it's totally different totally the opposite so in 2020 I for some reason like I got this idea in my head and I was like you know what I want to get back into poetry you know like I want to get back into writing I love writing and I told myself I was like you know I'm gonna start small 
and to me, small, is I'm going to write one poem a day, <laughs> and that'll be 365 poems, and then after that, I'm going to reread them and edit it, and that's, and I'm going to turn it into a book of 365 po- uh, poems. I was thinking of, like, clever titles and things like that, and I was like, yeah, this one to do this. That didn't happen. <laughs> I think I made it to, like, April, and then, like, I stopped for a few months, and I was like, oh, damn, now I'm behind, and I'm, like, scurrying to write, like, catch up basically obviously that did not happen i cannot keep up with my own endeavor but i wrote right like i didn't write 365 poems but i wrote like 200 something totally and i was like wow like i can i okay i can like some of them i was like wow i I really can still write (laughs) like i I actually like some of these right and then i found the next year alegria Mm -hmm. and i had obviously some some material that you know that i had worked on the year before that and then during last year, I obviously I wrote new new things and worked on my writing and changed up my writing style. And fast forward now, like I put it all together and it became living in phases. So this this book, my debut collection that I have now, is not what I planned. It's definitely not anything. I, I never thought I'd have a book at like twenty seven. It's just it just wasn't something that was in my plans. You know, my plans were like undergrad, grad school, work, travel you know, maybe something here or there, but so, you know, this, this is what came of kind of wanting to get back to some of the things that I really enjoyed when I wasn't so consumed with like Mm -hmm. mental health issues and school and this and that. So writing, you know, that book for me, rereading it, talking about it with people, it's, it's, it's extremely it's very healing for me. I now I'm like now in this in this stage that I'm in writing is is like it's become it or it's become again one of my like real passions and one of my go to's when I need kind of like to catharsis, right? Like mm-hmm. it's very cathartic for me. It's one of the again, I have, you know, pretty if you know me, like you will notice that like I, I have pretty significant social anxiety. I'm really not good at speaking, speaking and engagements. She is a beautiful speaker. It comes, you know, it's very hard sometimes to just, you know, know what we have inside, but it comes very <sighs> natural, Leslie. You're a very natural speaker. I saw her speak to the people that were buying the books and it was just such a wonderful experience. I didn't mean to cut you off, Leslie, but, you know, seeing <laughs> that firsthand, being part of the class with Leslie. I am finishing up mine now. Leslie finished hers a few months ago and she is published. She has her book. Like I have it in front of me, you know, (laughs) and I, I really just loved to hear how this came about the backstory. Leslie has told me before, but hearing it again, it brings so much warmth to me to my soul just to even know you as a person and as a human and as a soul you're so giving and you're so authentic and (laughs) her story is beautiful and she's so open and that is why I invited her here because you are open about your journey and she's very open on social and she talks about you know her OCD, she shares pages where you can get tips and where people who might not even know about it can learn about it. And she has been sharing about it all throughout Mental Health Awareness Month. I'm so proud of you, Leslie. This is very near and dear to my heart because I I just think that being vulnerable and open about something as beautiful as this is, you know, honest and 
in her life can be a very difficult thing to do. And in this book, if you are interested in reading more too, you can purchase it on Leslie's page, I believe. And and you can hear yes. more about her story there too. I love your words. Oh. Yeah, so writing for me has just always been easier. You know, I was always that kid, I mean, in school that would prefer to write a paper than take a multiple choice question. You know, I'd rather like write essays than do any type of like a math work like it was just writing for me just you know it just came to me it was never a burden or a hassle yeah sure like it could be difficult from time to time but I was just I, I look back and I was just always comfortable with words not verbally but written written if that makes sense mm-hmm. so when I came back to poetry a few years ago and just writing and prose and like researching like different types of literature and and writing techniques and things like that I just you know I kind of like found that you know that passion again and it's you know I started my poetry Instagram and I just kind of that was also my first time that was last year like sharing my words because again I don't really share my writing as often or as much as I do now or I didn't back then so It's just become, it's become very like, one of the themes in my book is like self-growth. And I think that this was very essential to my own self-growth because I think it's it's kind of helped me be a little bit more open, be a little more vocal. And it's also helped me do what I want to do, you know, by being open. I don't mean to like shove my diagnosis down anyone's throat or anything like that. But I do, I do know like how lonesome it feels, it still feels like I have my close friends know, people who follow me on Instagram now, anyone who buys my book will know. Absolutely. Um, but it's it's not a very widely understood diagnosis, I still feel. And, and people, you know, people would argue. So I do, I've met like or spoken to a few people online who, you know, have also said, you know, wow, I, like I, I have this too and I don't know anybody who passed this. And you know, that's kind of what I what I want to come out of, like, the, the openness and the vulnerability that I try and, like, show in my writing is, like, you know, if it reaches the right people or not even the right people because what's the right person? Just if it reaches someone that it needs to or that benefits from it in any way, then your you work, know, that would be great. Your work is done. <laughs> because in 2017, I didn't have that, you know? Like, I had my therapist, you know, bless her, of course. But that was it, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I didn't... And in the end, you know when I thought things were going so great, she was like, well, you know, you need something else, something better, something more. Totally. So even when I thought I was in a good spot, apparently, I I wasn't in the best spot, right? And that's really hard. So for me, writing kind of helped me navigate with that in a healthy way, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's very many (laughs) not so healthy coping mechanisms that I've done that I do that people try in order to kind of navigate and live with whatever mental or cognitive or physical illness that they suffer with or live with and writing for me was like a safe one and one that I think would help could help other people which is what I want to do without like making anyone uncomfortable or like you know absolutely oh my goodness So that actually is a really great segue to this question. So it is mental health awareness. And so we've talked about all of May. We're almost there to the end of May. And I just want to ask you, so what is your favorite way 
to take care of your mind? I don't know that I have a favorite way, but I do know that my, well, first of all, mental health for me does not exist when I'm in California. I am just happy. Now I can't do that on the daily. So I guess realistically, (laughs) I settle for, you know, whatever we do, what we can. Anyways, I think my favorite way to kind of take care of my mind is just to keep myself busy, if that makes sense. And I don't mean busy like work-wise. Like, I really like to feel like I'm being productive. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, like, there are times where I, like, I want to do things for myself, but Mm -hmm. I don't have, like, I don't have the energy or I don't have the time when I say, you know, I want to take this day to myself, I don't mean like taking that, or maybe I do mean taking that. But on top of that, like, I like very like the best about myself when I'm being like productive, whatever that means for me on that day. Got it. So like today, literally, I just wanted to keep my mind busy while staying relaxed. And today, I was like, you know what? Today's a Sunday. It's a quiet day. I'm going to be home alone for the most part. I'm going to do a few word searches because I love words. Mm, (laughs) I'm going to watch a documentary, not because I want it drawn in TV, but like I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen TV in like a while. Totally. And I like watching certain things, right? Same. So I'm going to take an hour to watch TV because I want to. I'm going to walk my dog three times like I'm supposed to. And I'm going to do a little bit of writing because I haven't written anything new in over a week. And that just feels unnatural to me. Right. Absolutely. And that to me is productive. But I'm keeping myself busy, my mind busy. I, I feel, you know, when I when I'm at my lowest point or when I'm having like when I'm in the throes of like a depressive episode, I am the opposite. And it one of the things that really really gets to me is like feeling stagnant Mm. right feeling stuck in whatever aspect stuck at work stuck in in, when I was a student stuck in in a a degree that I wasn't really enjoying or or, you know stuck with a dealing with a personal issue that I can't seem to get a grasp on stuck Right. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I don't, I, I, I can't, I I still have not found a way to handle that, (laughs) that, that feeling, that fear. So to me, the best way aside from being in Cali is being in nature, being outside, even if it's just my backyard, because I just feel so good when I'm like under the sun or like amidst like flowers and trees. I just, I, I, I'm like a different person when I'm in nature specifically Mm -hmm. and just keeping busy, whatever that, but whatever that means to me, like like I, I'm not a fan of like people who just don't stop, right? Because you have to, you have to sometimes, but some days for me walking my dog and like reading 30 pages of a book and watching one movie, that's enough. That's what I wanted to do. That kept my mind active. That kept my day going. And I'm, and that kept me distracted. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, you know, a a way to keep my mind feeling good is feeling like I'm, I'm getting things done for me, whatever that looks like on that day. I don't feel good doing all the things I'm telling myself I have to do. I just do them. Isn't that something, Leslie? She she just (laughs) tackled so much there. I mean, we all can, I can relate to this in so many ways. 
I can re relate to it when I don't have energy, when I don't want to go work out. There's always something that's missing. There's always something that you feel like yeah. there's, there's too much you have to tackle on. There's too much you have to do. So what it sounds like me too, when you were sharing how you like to take care of your mind, you like like active stimulation. And yeah. we all should do that to a certain extent too. I think it's beautiful what you touched on. I mean, you all know I love nature. Nature is my saving grace. I <laughs> don't know what I would be without nature. And I also like to keep myself active and stimulated. And I think that the mind also loves it when you do that too. And so thank you so much for sharing how you take care of your mind. I think we're going to end off. I don't want to end off, but <laughs> to end off, why don't you read me one of your poems? Maybe it could be a favorite poem from your book. Let's hear from you. In the span of the two years that I wrote this book, you know, so just two years, I went through various phases mm. and I took that opportunity to be like, well, you know, like everyone kind of goes through all those phases or well, not all those the specific phases that I went through but like everyone kind of goes through changes and and challenges and grows and like setbacks and forward you move backwards so one of the themes I'm trying to find the piece exactly one of the themes in my book is phases and how we like move through them and so I did write a piece specifically about that Okay, so this is one that I wrote. My book is separated into three different chapters, and the last chapter, as in like three different phases, you could picture it as, and then the last chapter or phase that I write about is dedicated more so to healing and like self-growth and like honoring yourself, and, and it's called in, so like I said, my book is bilingual, so I translate the title chapters, and this one it's called In This Phase We Heal, in Spanish that's as en esta fase nos sanamos mm. so this piece is in this last chapter and it goes i am like the moon i exist in phases tonight incomplete flawed a work in progress tomorrow i take on a new shape and shatter what was to make room for what is to be for i have learned that self-growth consistency so that one. Oh my gosh i love 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 thank you leslie for being here thank you for gracing us with your knowledge and your vulnerability and your honesty and your grace and your love <laughs> you can follow leslie on social at underscore literary hope perfect <laughs> On Instagram. On Instagram. And there's a little Google Doc in my bio where you can order my book. And I personalize them for everyone. I won't tell you what that means. So you get a cute little surprise book mail. But a lot of love and personalization goes into all the orders. So it's better than Amazon, I'm just saying. Hey, you heard it here <laughs> first. Oh, Leslie, I will talk to you so soon. Thank you so much again for, for your beautiful words and your... You're just... Your, overall honesty on everything in your life. I love you. I thank you. We all thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me and for letting me talk a little bit about me and my book and OCD. Mental health is such a passion for me, something I'm really 
obviously really close to. It's in my work, like my professional work. It's in my writing. It's in, it's just always at the forefront of a lot of what I do. So it's, it's this month is important to me, but I, I really hope that all your listeners, especially make an effort to kind of prioritize mental health past night because it's such an important thing and, and something that I think if we let it, you know, take a back seat, it can really spiral into something that really is is difficult to, to deal with. So, and I don't want to see that for anyone. So I hope everyone has a beautiful rest of their day. Thank you, Isla, for inviting me. I love you. And everyone should love you. Everyone listen to the rest of her podcast episodes. I'm a little behind, but I'll catch up because that's what I do. Catch up as I just talked about. Love you. <laughs> I love you. I really hoped you enjoyed this conversation. It was such a joy to have Leslie on Renew Your Soul. As always, don't forget to rate, review, or subscribe to this podcast. It lets me know which episodes you are loving and which ones you want to hear more of. I hope you have a really beautiful and aligned week ahead. And don't forget to continue to think of ways you can take care of your mind as we move on through the rest of this year. Your beautiful mind deserves it. Talk soon.